Welcome to the Well Workplaces podcast, where we have authentic conversations with health and wellbeing leaders that are on a mission to inspire healthy change in the workplace. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and today's episode is proudly brought to you by Pinnacle Health Group, Australia's leading corporate wellbeing provider, who are on a mission to deliver 5 million health experiences globally. I'm joined today by special guest, Karen Laos. Karen joins me all the way from the US of A and is a confidence warrior specializing in communication tactics. For almost three decades, Karen has been coaching women to move past their doubts so they can create and contribute great ideas at important moments by having the confidence to speak up. Karen is fiercely committed to equipping women in business to speak with clarity and confidence. And Karen, at the age of 52, left her corporate job to pursue her mission of eradicating self-doubt in 10 million women in 10 years. What a huge mission that is. And over her 20-year career, she's gained rave reviews from clients such as NASA, Netflix, Google, and AT&T, just to name a few. She's also the author of Trust Your Own Voice, Growing Your Influence Through Confident Communication, which is a guidebook for women to speak up, and also her own podcast, Ignite Your Confidence, which is all about helping women to stop holding back and start taking their seat at the table. In this conversation, I'm really interested in chatting with Karen about her expertise in what are some of the barriers that hold women back with their own confidence. We'll talk about being polite and nice at work. And whilst that is nice to be nice, there are certainly some ways that we can communicate with more confidence. And within that, there's definitely some words that we should avoid, such as um and ah and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot here from Karen. So let's head across to Karen in the show. Welcome to the Well Workplaces show, Karen. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Oh, it's great to connect. And uh, as we were just discussing, you're coming all the way from, obviously, from the States with your with your accent. Uh, what part of the U.S. are you from? Yes, I well, I'm originally from Minnesota in the middle of the, the U.S. up north, but I live in San Francisco now and have, well, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've lived in San Francisco for most of my life, actually, now, but recently moved across the Bay for anybody who is familiar with the San Francisco Bay Area living in Oakland now. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's so good. I love connecting with international speakers and, and guests on this because it's great just to just to connect and learn from different people and obviously your skill set. And I was listening to your podcast yesterday just around, it's obviously specializing in your skills around communication and building confidence in women. And this really fits in well with the Well Workplaces podcast because as I was saying pre-show, 70% of my audience, for some reason, are women. There's a lot from the US, Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore. So a lot of women are listening to this. And when we reached out and we connected, it was just a perfect, you know, perfect match for what I think we can talk about today and bring to the audience, talking about, you know, how we can communicate with more confidence, of course, but obviously talking a bit more about how that can work in a workplace setting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with... With uh, COVID and I guess working hybrid or fully remote now, I've experienced or what I've seen with clients and organizations as well is that communicating now is most of it, I would say, is done via emails and 
mostly via video calls more so than in person. So it adds a whole nother dynamic and, you know, a lot of trickiness, I think, around how do we communicate with clarity and confidence when that is the new environment or that is the environment that has evolved? Yeah. What do you think, Karen? What's happening on your end with your clients and, you know, the coaching that you do? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that it, it took a little while once COVID happened, but what's interesting is that I was teaching people how to present in virtual environments for several years before COVID hit. And so it was very interesting to see the world and how the world responded to that. And things like, you know, sometimes you're in a virtual meeting with somebody and all you see is their ceiling fan and the bottom of their chin or, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people were starting off trying to figure out how, to, how do I navigate this? And the big question I think is always, where do I look with my eyes? Because of course we're, we're wired for connection as human beings. So we want to look at the person, not at the camera, but you know, we need to be looking at the camera. So it appears that we're looking at them and all of the uh. dynamics and things we have to think about that weren't there before. So yeah, definitely getting a lot more questions, uh, certainly the first year after when, when once COVID broke, it was just all these questions about how do I show up? What do I do with my, you know, everything, like my eyes, my face, my, yeah. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, Karen. And also just from my experience now in this, you know, podcast world, like I'm, I'm trying so hard to look right in the camera because I know that's going to look better, but I'm always checking out. I want to see you as well. Like here, here I am in with this sort of amateur production here with the green background and everything. Um, but to, for me to get to that point of even thinking that's a good idea and this will look a bit nicer, yeah. oh, it would have taken me about six months to figure that out. Um, so yeah. yeah, what a crazy, crazy ride overall. It sounds interesting oh. that you were, you were kind of in that virtual, um, presenting training pre-COVID. That, that's cool. Yeah. I was very fortunate. It, it really served me well because for the, for about 15 years, I worked specializing in communication, presenting, and most of that was in person, but a lot of it also was webinars and things where people are specifically in meetings virtually. So even the things of where do you place yourself in the lens? You know, I notice a lot of people like you and me for anybody that might, you know, everybody's pretty much listening to this, but in general, making sure that you are framed well in the camera where you don't have a bunch of white space on the top of your head or, you know, you're not in a corner or something yeah, like that. Yeah. There's all these little nuances that add up to the experience that we create for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just a lot of learning, a lot of learning in the virtual world and that presenting as you, as you say, and I guess with, with that and the context of how things have changed rapidly, I'm not sure about you or what you've seen with your clients, but for, for me, I've seen a lot of clients where confidence levels have actually dropped for some parts of their role. Um, I think partly from social isolation due to working remotely or, or less FaceTime in person. What are you, what are you seeing from a like confidence levels with, you know, with clients, assuming that, you know, it's a similar climate in the U S from a work point of view. Yeah, it, it is very similar. And I, I, I think when, when you think about just where people are at, I think people are generally tired as well mm. and just trying to keep up with, I don't want to say the bare minimum, but kind of, okay, what do I need to do here? What, what's the most important thing to prioritize? What's going to make or break something? I mean, I, I feel like 
we're, everybody's just trying to do their best and figure out, okay, well, what's, what's going to work best here? And now that more people are meeting in person, it, it is really interesting. And, and I'll even just speak from my experience. Most of the time, it's been amazing to meet people in person that I've known now through a screen for two years. But I will say one time recently, I, I felt like we, we kind of looked at each other. It was very exciting at first, but then it almost felt a little bit weird. Great <laughs> 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 well, almost Oh, wow. And when you, you're kind of, your brain has to almost calibrate to now we're in person. And, and what is that like? And then, I don't know. And the other thing that I find very striking is how funny it is that most people don't even do phone calls anymore. I sometimes think, gosh, and especially for me, I mean, it could be men and women alike, but for me feeling like, okay, like I want to put myself together. I want to put do my hair, put on some makeup. And I think whatever happened to the days when we could just call each other. And so oh, I find 100%. that really interesting too. Yeah. Because people are so conditioned now to use Zoom or whatever virtual environment, <clears throat> you know, that you, whatever platform you use, but that's something that I've noticed has almost gone away that the whole idea of a phone call. And so sometimes it's funny because occasionally I will say to someone, Hey, do you want to meet just by calling? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. People are relieved because that zoom fatigue is really real. Yeah. So, and people actually go, Oh yes. Thank you. I would love to just have. <laughs> yeah. I, I call, I, I actually call that an old fashioned, not the old fashioned drink, but like a, an old, can I just call you? Can we just connect the old fashioned way? And so like, right. you know, the, the phone's on this and you're on speaker as well. Cause I'm probably trying to do something else at the same time. It's very, uh, yes. it's, it's very raw, but it works quite well. And, um, yeah, you're right. Some people go, oh, this is a relief. I don't have to, you know, think about my background and, uh, you know, how I'm looking and all that kind of thing. So yeah, general, general fatigue. Um, yeah, it's a really great point and we're seeing it. We're seeing it everywhere. Do you think from a confidence perspective and speaking, I guess, more to, to women, what, what are those, I guess, those barriers to having confidence with communication in either workplace settings or, you know, in personal life? Uh, what are the key things that you see with, with the women that you coach and, and look after? Yeah. Self-doubt, number one. I, I still continue to be blown away. And I will say since COVID, I'm particularly, I really was almost shocked at the amount of women over 40 who seem to have lacked confidence almost more than, well, first of all, more than I would have ever expected. And I, I, I really became quite, it was very sobering mm. to realize, wow. And I quit my corporate job in July of 2020. So I had been working for a communication firm and I was head of training and development and focused specifically on hiring and training facilitators to help people with their presence as well as their message. And I say that because I was really in a bit of a bubble there. I didn't realize till I left how when I started really focusing on women over 40, how unbelievably like prevalent it was that people were holding back from sharing their ideas due to that doubt. So specifically thinking about, I'm afraid of being judged. I don't want to rock the boat. What if people don't like me? And I certainly know that there are plenty of men that have that same issue too, because I do work with men as well. But it is quite astonishing to me how that monster self-doubt. Yeah. Way of us being our brilliant selves. 
And that was my story too. That's, that's what caused me to write my book, Trust Your Own Voice, because for so many years, I didn't trust my own voice, even though I was in a senior leadership role in the corporate world. Mm. Well, I do think, and then, and then that can carry over into, you mentioned personal life as well. I was just a couple hours ago, I was on the uh, podcast for marriages and I, wow. I normally do business talks, but it's really interesting. The more we talked about it, the more I thought, wow, one of the biggest challenges I see in business is people don't make direct asks of others. We're kind of passive. And I see that a lot in personal situations too, where we, we kind of want to accommodate everybody and we don't really want to say what we, what opinion or what restaurant we really want to go to because <laughs> you yeah. never know. <laughs> Let's yeah, yeah, yeah happy and then everybody goes to a restaurant that nobody wanted to go to <laughs> See, that's a good example oh, to be honest I'm, I'm guilty of that one where do you want me to go uh, my wife says to me oh okay, what do you think you know it's just it's very very passive it's probably from her perspective it's like tom just have an opinion but you know do i really care what we eat well probably i probably do deep down so maybe i just need to think a little bit more uh <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Marriages, business, work, life, it's all the same, you know, it's all the same thing and all these, I guess that lack of confidence or that most communication sort of issues, whether they're passive or, or active, I guess that just yeah. puts a, that does put a lot in the, there's a lot of barriers that, that then go up, um, which yeah. then just become frustrating for individuals and maybe they end up in a bit of a circle where they're not getting what they want out of life, um, or they're not getting what they want in their career, perhaps, or marriage, for example, you know, for example. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's uh, well, widespread, right? It really is. And I, I think one of the biggest challenges for people, and I've had my own issues with this too, I've done a lot of personal growth work on it, is asking for what you need. And I do think that at the root of people being passive in their asks is that most of us our fear, lack of acceptance. Like if we say something that does rock the boat or we say something where people maybe won't like us or maybe we speak up with something that might be an unpopular opinion, we don't know. It's just safer for most of us to stay quiet. And yeah. I'll tell you one of the tips that I started using for myself and then people started liking it so much that I started saying, okay, here's one of my tips now is because for me, it was harder because of my background. You know, I, I grew up with a pretty controlling father and then a mom was pretty submissive in the household. And so I learned that, oh, you have to look to a man or an authority mm -hmm. to be able to speak up. And so when I was really working on myself and getting to a point where I like what would be comfortable enough for me to dip my toe in the water to share my opinion. And I came up with this phrase as simple as here's my vote. Mm. And by saying that, I like it because it's diplomatic. You're still being clear that this is your vote, but you're not, you know, you're not coming in hot with like, this is my opinion or this is what we need to do. You're just simply saying, here's my vote. And then you can let the chips fall where they may. And when I first started doing it, nobody died. Nobody hated <laughs> it. Yes. <laughs> my job. <laughs> yeah. I like that one because there's, there's always that um, scenario, let's say, where you're in a team meeting whether that's virtual, in-person, doesn't matter. There's that, that, there's that point in the meeting where there's a wrapping up that occurs or there's an action plan that comes together. And if you're one of those people that's like, I should have, oh, I've got an opinion, but I'll just let this go or I won't say anything. And then suddenly you're you know, out of the meeting waving goodbye and you didn't really say what you 
you wanted to say or didn't contribute, it probably doesn't look very good as well from a, you know, are you contributing perspective, but also that feeling of like leaving the room with your opinion still in your pocket, it's probably, probably well, disheartening, right? Oh, and that happened to me for so long. And I can, I can, you know, I can almost get emotional just thinking about that because there were so many times when I would have an idea, but then I would be afraid. I was a little intimidated by my boss at the time. And she always told me, speak up more, but I would still be a little bit afraid to do that sometimes. And it's amazing how I would then think, okay, now I'm going to do it. But then the moment had passed and then it was pointless to bring it up. And I wouldn't have, then I would have looked worse. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Send an email after, after the meeting. No, no, joking. Oh. Yeah. But seriously, it's, it's, we've got to seize those moments when we get them. Do you think that, uh, that delay in response perhaps where there's, you know, maybe that person that's also, you know, not happy to speak up or missing the moment. Um, perhaps they're a little bit more introverted. Is that the trend that you see with your clients? Is it, is it an introversion versus an extroverted type thing or is, is it mainly confidence? I would probably hierarchically put confidence at the top due to a lack or, or due to the self-doubt component. But I do think that it is an important factor to consider. And the reason why I, I can personally speak from this is that I am a total extrovert. And, and yet I still felt like, oh, I don't know if I should do that, if I should say that. And of course, introverts are going to be more inclined to stay quiet. And it's definitely a factor, but I would say, I think it has more to do with the confidence component. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's right. interesting. I could, yeah, I could probably be swayed the other way, possibly if some introvert came on and said, well, I don't know, because there is a fundamentally as well. Like I have a friend that's a coach specifically for introverts and she, it's interesting the things that she talks about, because for me, for example, she talks about being prepared and having a couple of bullet points. And, and that's never a story that I lead with when I'm coaching. I went, oh yeah, that's, that's so true. It's so important to remember that. But you might have the, the greatest confidence in an as an introvert, but still not speak up. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. And, and I asked that one probably selfishly out of interest because as a kid, I was very quiet, very introverted. Oh. And I still, I, I still am introverted as a, you know, dominant thing. So, you know, later, later today, I might need a nap to, to recover from all of these podcasts that I do, et cetera. But, but certainly I think um, with that, and as a, you know, from a kid's perspective, if you're quiet, you know, people will say, oh, he's so shy or geez, quiet, you know, speak up more. And with that, you actually lose confidence each time someone says speak up. So it's kind of this, um, it's kind of this weird thing, but you know, naturally you grow out of it, but I've got that, I've got that sense that, you know, certainly as a, as a younger kid and, you know, young adult, I would probably hold on to things more because I'd be thinking about them more, but certainly I've realized that you need to just find your moment and just go for it with speaking up, but certainly preparing a little bit more is is something that an introvert, I think, needs to do going into a very big group meeting, perhaps, because they need to feel like they're ready to talk. But anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and that's a good point about feeling like they're ready to talk. And that that's good advice for all of us is, are we ready? And everybody has a different definition of what that means. But I do think that having a couple of bullet points for your notes, but not a script <laughs> is really yeah. important. 
So you're able to hit the key things that you want to remember, but you're not reading from a document either during a meeting. Absolutely. I think Karen as well in these, this new world of work, I, I say new world of work, really it's, we're up to almost three years in this hybrid mode or remote mode. Everyone's adapted in different ways. Um, some people have become more confident in at work because they can work confidently by themselves perhaps, and that suits their personality or their style. Um, there's also, I think within that, and I'll, the example I want to give you now is I was speaking with a client yesterday and their organization is going through a restructure. Um, now naturally there's, you know, most, well, 50% of people are working from home hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Quite a few are still coming into the office. There's a lot of insecurity because there is a restructure going on. If you're someone that's been working at home, you don't really feel confident now in going, I'm going to go network and chat with managers to find out what's going on because I basically haven't been to the office for three years. And so for these guys, they're really losing confidence and also wondering how do I communicate? Because part of a restructure, of course, is that not everyone gets uh, moved on. There's, there's a rehiring that occurs as well. So mm-hmm. it's quite an interesting thought. Is this you know restructuring in a hybrid environment or remote environment? Because everyone does, like the people that have been into the office or with more contact, they're feeling good because they're seeing their managers and they're feeling well-connected in person. Um, so where am I going with this, Karen? Sorry, I'm giving you a long-winded example. I think really what I'm, really what I'm getting at here is those, those people that, that they need to find new ways of connecting. What would be some, I guess, some examples or some, some tips for those types of people that are trying to find a, a new way to connect with maybe whilst feeling that anxiety of, of the ship going down. Sure. And just to make sure that I'm clear, when you're talking about people coming back to the office and just, and even the people that are in the office and how do you connect, especially if it's might even be a new person that has never physically been met before, but been on the team for a year. Um, if, if that's, I think that's, was that just so I'm clear, is that right? Yeah. 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 So pretty much half and half and half. Yeah. Coming, coming in the ones that are staying at home now, you know, the ship, it feels like the ship's going down and they haven't really connected with people. I guess that in that, you know, I can see you and feel you kind of thing. So they're feeling a bit insecure because, you know, the only contact they're having is those meetings where they're sitting on a zoom call and, you know, with the camera up their nose. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I think that it really stems from question asking. So for example, reaching out to people. Like if I were brand new to a team or maybe I hadn't been in contact with the team very much, to me, my advice would be reach out to those people and set up connection calls. Hey, I I just want, I want to set up a 20 minute call just to get to know you better or to reconnect if we haven't talked for a while. Let's talk about just how we're doing. And, and that could be a little vague for some people thinking about now the introverts that are coming to those calls might want to have a little more structure. Yeah. So something like, you know, what are, what are even simple questions? Like, what are you most grateful for right now? What have you learned most in the last year or so? What is it that, you know, what, what's something that you love? What's something that is your pet peeve? I mean, you could come up with a, a plethora of questions, but to me, the intent is the same, getting to know each other better. And I do think that a lot of times we feel in business, like, Everything has to be for some business purpose. But if you look at 
life and business alike, it stems from relationships. And if you look at any of the biggest problems that people face and why a lot of people hire me in corporations is to mitigate conflict. And that's not because you push the wrong button on a computer or or a system wasn't working. And that might, you might have a technical problem, but it's the people problems that cause the biggest emotional drain and, and sometimes big lack of efficiency. So to me, that's the, the thing that I would say at the most is being intentional about building relationships, because that's really thing you think about it. People do business and they want to work with people that they trust. So if you could build that trust through understanding each other better, then you're, you're only going to have better relationships and then you're going to have better work life as well. So that would be my Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great advice. Sage, uh, very sage advice. And I guess with that as well, you're going to build confidence, right? Cause you've got more connections, uh, better yeah. relationships yeah. through that, through that process. Karen, a lot of the time with speaking and communicating, and I'm probably one of the worst at it, I would say, um, quite a lot. I'll, I'll use words that fill, you know, filler, you know, filler type sentences very occasionally and quite often in, in the podcast and afterwards they get edited out. So I edited out. So I sound really smart um, <laughs> on the other side of the podcast, which is edited by, uh, one of our staff, Alice, who does a good job at that. Um, with speaking, and I just said, um, then again, didn't I, it's a lot of words that we use that we shouldn't use, uh, yeah. when we speak and because I'm speaking with you, I'm trying really hard not to use those words or, or use those sayings. I'm wondering if you can elaborate on what are some of the real common ones that people use that maybe doesn't help with their confidence either by using ums and ahs or maybe unconfident or not confident language. What are some of those? Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know you know this, Tom, you are not alone. And I feel like it's, it's like, uh, I don't know if you have the carnival game over there in Australia, whack-a-mole. Where oh, yeah. Hit, yeah, you hit one thing and then you hit another. Anyway, they keep popping up. So I do think that it's important to have grace for ourselves when we are practicing these things, but it is also really critical to be aware. And I continue to be quite surprised at how few people are actually aware of the words they're saying that might be getting in their way. And we can all identify um and ah pretty quickly, but I love to dive deeper into some of the more sophisticated filler words that like things that are actually words, but they get in the way. Things like like, things actually, basically, so, you know, and then we get into phrases. Does that make sense? These words and phrases, or do you know what I mean? Those things can really take away from our credibility. And so that's why it's one of the ways that you can be more aware of this is really two things. One is video or audio feedback, basically the objective audio or video, and then making sure that you actually listen to it because I noticed some people are willing to record themselves, but they don't listen or watch it back, which pretty much defeats the purpose. But then the other one to be more aware is to ask people that are around you. And that is the greatest way to stay accountable and start being aware of it. Because when you have somebody outside of yourself noticing these things, then you can take time to do something about it. And then, well, what do you do about it? As much as it would be great to say, here's, here's a pill. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's really about pausing to 
put that in there beside instead of the filler word. And a lot of times people are afraid. They go, well, yeah, but that would be pausing for a really long time. And it's not. It's, it's, it's just a nanosecond of time. And in fact, I, I'll share a quick story because I remember this was pretty profound for me. When I was delivering a workshop on this very thing, talking about filler words and the importance of pausing, somebody stopped me and said, can you model pausing for me? And it took me aback because I was thinking, well, it just hit me. That's what I've been doing the whole time. So I didn't say that out loud, but I said, I have an idea. I decided to, I said, I'm going to deliver the last 30 seconds of what I just said without pausing. So I spoke really fast and I said, <laughs> oh, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, today we're out, uh, you know, I just, <laughs> and then the whole room, about 50 people went, oh, I yeah. said, if you are incorporating pauses into your speech anyway, it's not going to distract from your message. And to me, that's the thing that sometimes people don't realize that anything that gets in the way, like multiple filler words, a monotone voice, for example, or someone who never smiles and they look so serious that they look unapproachable, all those things take away from our message. And then people will only hear about 7% of what we're saying. So it's pretty significant to, to be aware of the habits that you might have that you don't even realize and then see what you can do about it. But for the filler words, it really is replacing them with silence. And the only way you're really going to know if you do them is by asking others or recording yourself. I love that. I'm pausing deliberately now because you said <laughs> some of those things. <laughs> One of the other ones, Karen, that I hear or, and I probably do as well, is the word just and little. So, yeah. like, so you're basically diminishing your, whatever you're saying by saying, oh, just, just a little, you know, this and that. What, what is, have you heard that one as well? Yes, that, well, and that is in fact, so I, I love the fact that, that we're talking about the nine words to avoid. And this is also on my website for anybody that wants to take a look and have a PDF and see them in writing. But it, exactly what you said, Justin Little, I love modeling this because similar to what you just said, and that is where it would be appropriately used. Something that recently happened. I, you just said this, or I just saw this person on the street. But when we say things like, and, I, and I'm thinking now, this is men and women, but particularly women tend to shrug their shoulders and make themselves smaller when they say this. So for example, the, and I know people can't physically see me right now, but just imagine me closing myself in. Like, I just want to share a little tip with you versus I want to share a tip with you. The feel of it is so different. And it also is more efficient. You're speaking with fewer words. And I always like to say that a technique to, well, it's more of a mindset to think about is if every word cost you $20, would you actually say every word that you're saying? <laughs> yeah, you'd be, a, you'd be a rich man. I'd be a rich man if I did that. That's a great, also a great idea for me. I think from my perspective as well, with filler words or practicing, if you like, Podcasting has been a really great way of not intentionally, you know, training yourself how to speak, but by listening back to some of the, you know, if you go back to your very first episode or my, my first episode a couple of years ago, now it's completely different yeah. setup and structure and also just my confidence in it. It's only 
come through repetition and I have listened back to not every episode because that's, you know, I've got better things to do and listen to myself talk every, every week, but it's great to just pick out a few and go, okay, I could have said it this way, or, you know, I shouldn't have used, you know, this and that, those types of filler words that we're, that we're talking about. I think another one that I see, Karen, and I'll say predominantly in women, it's the apologizing. So it, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt or I'm, I'm yeah. trying to think of some examples, but it's, it's, yeah, I'm so sorry for this meeting. I'm so sorry that I had background noise. I'm so sorry that you know, I exist. <laughs> yeah. When you hear that, it, it's, it's basically sounds like, I'm sorry that I exist. You're right. It's like, yeah. it's okay. Like far out. We're, we're good. Yeah. So do you want to hear a couple of tips on that one? Cause I'm really, uh, I'm very passionate about that one. Please, please give, give us, give us the, how to change the sorry to something else. Yeah, I mean, very tangibly replacing it with excuse me or thank you. For example, when you hit some, you run into somebody at the grocery store, you don't need to say, I'm sorry. I had this experience about a week ago. Three women were, they, they didn't even bump into each other. They were in the same aisle. Nobody touched each other by accident, but it was this apologizing for being there. That's what really struck me. Oh, I'm sorry. And I said, you don't need to apologize. But we just do it without thinking. So my suggestion would be in that kind of situation, train yourself to say, excuse me, if you even needed to. I do think it's important to acknowledge that there is a time and a place to apologize. I, I do think that, you know, when you've actually wronged someone, <laughs> we're not saying don't apologize when that happens. But the other one is when you're late for something, you can simply say thank you or you know, so many people apologize for not getting back quickly in email. And I think I, I literally just sent you an email yesterday. You don't need to say, I'm sorry that you just got back the next morning. So that's something else to consider. Do you need to apologize? And I find that thank you for understanding or thank you for your patience can be much more effective. But I want to tell, I want to share one fun thing from right. a mindset perspective. I love to tell people when you're first training yourself to get out of this, I'm sorry. Every time you catch yourself saying, I'm sorry, say I'm sexy instead. <laughs> I love that. That is great. Fun, what a fun thing to say, you know? <laughs> that's great. That'll keep the confidence levels up. You know? Yeah. Well, and from a neural pathway perspective, if we think about it scientifically, you're tricking your brain to change the message of what you were probably going to say instead and it can make you laugh it changes up the whole yeah it just changes up the whole feel of it so i find that's a, a fun thing too especially when i get a group of women together it's fun to <laughs> bring that up yeah that's what i would love i'd love to hear that more around the workplace <laughs> that'd be that'd be great for everyone's yeah, definitely. team morale of course <laughs> i was gonna say for that one make sure that you know when it's appropriate well, yeah, yeah. Keep a, keep a lid on it. Don't get too excited. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I think Australia is much in a much better place more as far as laid back compared to some of our rigidity here. <laughs> yeah, there wouldn't be a, I don't think there would be a law, a lawsuit or anything to worry about dropping that around, but probably still need to be, uh, still need to be tactful for sure. Yes. Karen, the other one that comes up as well from in a work setting or team, you know, team environments is when people are putting their opinion forward, um, but instead of saying, 
their opinion straight up. They might say, I think, or, you know, I think maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's almost, do you really think this or are you, you know, it's almost speaking out loud and not getting to the point. Um, is that, that's one of the things that you talk about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And full disclosure for anybody that goes and looks at these, they're not all one word. There's some phrases and, and that for sure when you say, I think, and usually it's with that kind of emphasis, I think this initiative is a good idea. <laughs> and when we say it like that, because of course, tone is so important. That's, that's a very different feel than I think we should do this. That's a different, that's a different mm. funnel together. But notice even what I always tell people is if you could say the rest of the sentence and it would be self-contained, you don't need that other piece. Like I believe, or I think it it's, most of us have a harder time with being direct and being declarative. I have found that that's where that doubt comes in, where people feel like, oh, I should say I think because I'm not sure, or who am I to be saying that? That imposter syndrome might creep in there. And I, I do, do believe very specifically that when you are saying something, to, well, here's the way to think about it. Do you want to come across as the expert or do you want to be, come across as someone that's trying to decide? something when we waver or we waffle and that's when i think comes into that that wavering especially when it's combined with a weaker tone of voice so for example if we go back to that example i said a minute ago i think i think this initiative is a great idea saying this initiative is a great idea when you say it with vocal emphasis and you sound excited about it you're not going to come across as also dictatorial cuz i i think that's the other thing and especially i know but specifically for women, I, of course, want to honor that we've got all genders listening to this potentially. But when you think about it, women have the greatest challenge related to the tightrope that we need to walk between coming across as too harsh or strong on one end of the coin and then the other being too soft and a pushover. So that coming across with strength in your voice while smiling and saying it with passion in your voice, that's going to give you that nice balance between connection and credibility for sure. I love that. That's great. And certainly, you know, some good examples in our workplace where I hear the confidence. I don't hear I'm sexy that much though. So let's, uh, let's try and bring that. We're going to bring that to Australia now. Thanks, Karen. Uh, Karen, thanks so much for your time. This has been a great chat. Lots of really great insights and some really helpful stuff for people with communication and how to present and talk a little bit more confidently. I'm going to be thinking of you now when I get to my next podcast and I'll be pausing at the right times and really dropping those filler words that we just talked about. So thanks so much. Of course. Well, it's been delightful to chat with you. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.